listening to List It, the show where me and a guest rank and list things in pop culture. We have a really, really great show today. My guest is John Foreman. He's a singer, songwriter. He's the front man of the legendary rock outfit, Switchfoot. On February 12th, he releases his brand new uh, EP, Departures. And on January 31st, if if you're listening before then, you can uh, uh, catch Switchfoot streaming live from Petco Park. They're they're the band in 2021. I think they're the first band in 2021 to play a stadium show. I don't know if that's <laughs> official, but other than bands that like played at the inauguration, like Katy Perry at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, I think Switchfoot has the the first stadium show of the year. Hey, make sure to follow them at Switchfoot on Instagram because they have tons of live streams and killer performances. Uh, John also recently released an incredible series of EPs: Doubt, Love, Fear, and Belief. John, welcome to List It, man. Hi, thanks for having me. Quite the intro. I feel I feel like I should uh, do a song and dance or something. <laughs> You're welcome to, do, you know, if you have a song, you want to, <laughs> we got to do a late show thing, have you perform live. Dude, right? how, how, how are things going, man? It's been a, a crazy, obviously, 2020 has been crazy and, and 2021 is already off to to an interesting start. I always, whenever I talk to an artist or any of my friends who are in bands, I have, I always have like such empathy because you know a lot of kind of their normal rhythms have been majorly disrupted even more so than a lot of people kind of in different industries by by the pandemic uh, but you guys are playing a stadium show here in 20 20- how did that how did that come how did that come about john so we have been trying to continue with our job description as yeah. a band which is to bring people together in a year where no one can be together yeah and so we're trying to also bring people on a journey so the job is like how do we use music to do what it does best which feels like we could all use a group hug and 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 um we could all put our fists in the air and and sing the same song and the thought began well what if we could bring people on a journey we we took them out on a boat we did a song from a boat we or an entire show from this this boat we did it from a, a cabin on the top of the the this mountain near us and we thought well what if we did one from a stadium it would be the most ironic thing ever to do a stadium show with no one there (laughs) and so we called our friends with the padres at petco park and they were like yeah i mean it's pretty much empty the the stadium's yours so that's that's how this whole thing started that's killer, man. Well, well, I can't wait for the show. I've loved your, I loved all the videos that you guys have done on Instagram in in recent months. You know, like has has the the pandemic and just kind of being forced out of the rhythm of performing a lot and kind of having access, I'm sure, to a lot of kind of the the same studios and other musicians. How has that affected you creatively as a songwriter? I think, um, I mean, it's affected ev- everyone. I mean, in, in ways that we'll probably be unpacking for decades, but I think as a songwriter, the interesting thing is, um, songs are these invisible things that come from feelings. Yeah. And, and so I think with that in mind, songs can come from any, anywhere. And some of my favorite songs come from really dark spots. And if 2020 was anything it was it put me in some dark places and so i think you know this absolutely this year was a was a horrible year aka a really great year to write music Hmm. you know (laughs) so 
if I could put it, put, you know, just to to say it with a laugh, you know, I think songs are probably the most healthy outlet that I have to go for for from really dark places to try and aim for the light. Well, and, and that's so beautifully stated. And I think it's not just from the artist perspective, because there's a lot of people who may not be inclined to like musicianship or, or kind of, you know, might be kind of wired creatively. But when they hear a song that they feel like is able to articulate a certain idea and feelings, I feel like that works both ways. Like when you write something, it's sort of almost this kind of outlet for you. But for a listener who you are putting words to their feelings, you know, it, it can be really kind of therapeutic to hear a song like that. And, you know, today on the show, we're going to be breaking down six of your favorite songs. And just that idea of an artist is able to kind of put to words things that you feel and, and things that you think and kind of inspire you in different ways. What in your mind makes a really good, not just a good song, but one that would make a list of six of your favorite? What kind of makes songs like that stand out in your, in your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. So it is, I have to go back to feeling. It, okay. is, it is a song that you feel on a level that might even transcend language. Mm. You know, it might not have words in the song, but it connects with you on a level where you say, I felt that. What was that? That um, There's this mechanical, physical property called sympathetic resonance. Okay. So if I take a guitar and I and I have this string right here, I can either pluck it and that will be one way to make it sing, or I can actually sing. And there it oh, is. Yeah, it yeah. So I I tend to think of it like we all have within us sympathetic resonance that somebody says a word or a concept or an idea and it sparks that same part of us to to resonate yeah. and i feel like songs do that on a intellectual you know level we can talk kind of um with the metaphor of it but they also do it with actual physical properties within us that they yeah. actually resonate our body so those are that's what i'm looking for is what is what does this song resonate within me and that's such a trippy idea because like you said, it's metaphorically, like sometimes it like triggers a feeling, but sometimes the actual frequency of the sound coming out of whatever it is sparks yes. literal feel. You know, I have you ever seen the show Song Exploder on uh it, it was a podcast, but now it's on Netflix, like a series. Yeah, yeah. I, I was watching one the other night with the killers, and they were talking about the song when you were younger, and it's that they had that riff that starts with like bam up. As you can tell, yes. I'm not a terrible vocalist, but they were like, we wanted something that sounded like the desert. And I thought that was such an interesting idea because it's like, well, the desert, I think of just silence, but it's that scorching kind of sound that you're able to kind of take an idea and put to sound as an artist. How difficult is when you have a feeling like, let's say it is that kind of darkness of 2020, the uncertainty, you know, there's a lot of division and just kind of hostility. How do you how do you make channel that into an audible sound? Maybe even kind of detached of what what the lyrics are. Yeah, I mean, there's no no way to do it. It doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, but that's what keeps us coming back. You know, yeah. I think um, every now and then you 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 play something out of back out of the speakers and you think, oh my gosh, it happened. But that's yeah, it's very rare. Um, in fact, so many so many times, what I'm looking for to come out of the speakers is what I don't feel. Hmm. So I'm actually hoping to, uh, like if I'm feeling 
if I'm feeling wonderful and everything's right with the world, I will go surfing or hang out with my friends and have a barbecue. When I feel horrible is when I write songs. And when I'm depressed in the middle of the night trying to figure out why I'm here on the planet. So what I'm hoping to come back out of the speakers is some form of reassurance and like I'm literally aiming for light. And so that's what I'm yeah. hoping will come out of the speakers is what I don't feel. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's so cool because it's almost like it's, it's sort of like the antimatter, you know what I mean? It's this counterbalance that we feel, but we don't necessarily articulate. It doesn't necessarily occupy like kind of front of mind consciousness, but when you're able to put it into sound, it's like, man, that is it. That is the release. That is sort of what's, you know, the, the heart feeling there. And that's why I'm excited to talk through. So as you're kind of going through, through your six favorite songs for the list. I'm between songs. I'm going to go through six songs that you've written that that I that have really kind of jumped out to me over the years, and we can kind of alternate talking about some of your six, and you can break down uh, uh, some of the ones that I selected from your catalog. If it's cool, man, I want to start off with uh, one of your latest songs uh, off of Departures, which is out, and it's called Jesus. I have my doubt. And I've listened to this song over and over again. It, I, I love like the vibe of the song. Like it, obviously it has like kind of this, um, it, it's, it's a very easy song to listen to. Um, but thematically it articulates so many interesting ideas about, you know, obviously about doubt, but also about wanting to kind of talk through doubt and feeling safe to talk about doubt, particularly, you know, as the, the title of the song implies, addressing the doubts with the person you doubt, which is, you know, Jesus, I have my doubts. Tell me a little bit about where that song came from and why, and did you kind of have any hesitation at all artistically about kind of, some people would say, see that as sort of a risk thematically to kind of, you know, acknowledge that you have doubts. Yeah. Well, I think honesty is always a risk. Hmm. To my knowledge, I don't use the word Jesus very often, if ever in songs. Yeah. And um, I grew up in the church, and I think the reason why I don't often use religious words is because I feel like sometimes they can actually get in the way of communicating clearly, that they have so yeah. much baggage and, and can actually interfere with the intentionality behind the song. And yet with this particular song, it felt really easy to make sure that I, I was speaking directly with God. I think it's, it's probably not a healthy thing to talk behind God's back. And we all do it all the time about things that we're frustrated, angry, disappointed with. And so a couple of years ago, I began to go to this rock that sits right next to the Pacific ocean. And it's just this one specific rock that's flat. And I sit there um, you know, sometimes late at night after the studio and I can have a, a yelling match with God and feel completely sane, mm, <laughs> which yeah. I couldn't, couldn't do that in my, my house maybe, and maybe not on the beach during the day, but at yeah. night I feel totally fine doing it. And I feel like this song is an extension of that conversation, you know, being able to, I, I don't believe in a God that if I throw a punch that he's going to be offended or, or somehow disappear, you know? When everything's right, feels wrong And all of my belief feels gone And the darkness in my heart is so strong Can you reach 
able to kind of articulate, especially in the form of a song, did you find it kind of liberating or, or did it kind of make you more comfortable with being able to just kind of rest with doubt? Yeah, I think, again, songs are this place where I have found solace um, for years. I remember, so I was in high school, ninth grade, I moved back to California from the East Coast. And I thought it was going to be a really easy transition. My freshman year of high school, I was pretty confident, pretty good at meeting people. And um, three months later, I had no friends and a stuttering problem. And I was really um, trying to figure out who I was and in a pretty dark time. And I remember picking up a guitar and realizing that I didn't stutter and I didn't have any tr- trouble expressing myself when I was singing. Yeah. And so I found a, an honesty and a safety that I could talk about sex or girls or God or doubt or politics in yeah. a song and feel completely safe. Yeah. And so I think that this song is, is absolutely an extension of that safety, that the honesty that you can have in a song. That's awesome, man. Well, I definitely encourage people to check it out. All right, John, what is number six on your list of, of favorite songs? Okay. Let's start with, let's start with a song that is not even in English. If we're talking about, Oh, wow. Okay. About, um, you know, sympathetic vibration and resonance. This is a song by Os Mutantes um, called Bat Macumba. Okay. And this song for me is one of the trippiest songs you will ever hear. It's from decades ago, but I feel like it's, it could have been made in the year, you know, 2090 or something. Wow. So, so for, for people who, who are unacquainted, who, tell, tell me a little about the artist and what language is their native okay. language. Os Mutantes, I believe this, this is in Portuguese. They're from Brazil. Okay. And they were contemporaries with, you know, the Beatles and, and the groups back then. Yeah. Um, and this is my favorite wake-up song for a late-night drive where you're trying to, trying to like, keep your eyes open. This song will make you wake up instantly. Oh, you, that's you, so cool. You just instantly, okay, I'm awake. <laughs> yes. And now, how how heavy is it in your rotation? Is it one of those things where pretty consistently you're like, I got to fire this up. I need to kind of awaken the senses a little. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to this song, um, you know, probably, you know, several times a year for, yeah. for you know, many, many years. It's It's one of those songs where whenever I want to be inspired to push the limits, this, this is that song that pushes it all the way there. All right. Here, here's a clip. I'll let listeners uh, check it out. That's so cool, and and I can I've you know I can li- when listening to your music too. I feel like whether it's your solo stuff or things that you did with like Fiction Family or Switchfoot, there's a there is a timelessness. And I did a deep dive kind of prepping for for the show today and listened to songs that I hadn't listened to in a while. And it's it's cool that the first artist on your list 
is a, is a is a artist that was making music decades ago because I feel like timelessness is a value that you carry. Maybe that's me projecting on you as as a listener. Do you do you kind of feel like you're an artist that tries to make that kind of timeless music that stands up as good as when you record it as it will kind of you know hopefully decades from now? Yeah, I mean, I I would love that. That's a huge compliment. I mean, I think it, there is a. It's funny, trendy. If something is trendy you know it has a, a shelf life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, so that's good for maybe a month, maybe yeah. two years. But you know it's like, oh, that will... Who knows? I, I don't think Ska made it kind of thing, you yeah. know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and yet there are still songs that I listen to from that period that I'm like, oh, now that that feels like it it could live anywhere, you know? yeah. Well, well. Speaking of songs that can live anywhere, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna jump around a little back in your catalog on my list for number, for number five. It's uh, from 2008, and it's from, it's you, you had released a collection of these uh, EPs that were based on the season, which I remember when yeah. they came out, how excited I was, and uh, they have a really cool kind of acoustic vibe. They're very thoughtful songs, and the the song, and you, and you know, it was a, it was a, you know, I know a lot of people. Uh, you probably get this request all the time, um, but it's "Your Love Is Strong" from the Spring EP, and it's such a beautiful song. It's such a uh, the kind of understated song in a lot of ways, but I like how it's sort of the other side of the coin from "Jesus, I Have My Doubts" because it approaches it with the same sort of earnestness and honestness, where you're kind of directly addressing God, but a lot of it's like taken from the Lord's prayer or sort of, you know, these requests that, you know, it seems to be this plead to God to ask him to make you more like the person you want to become. But there's the same sense of vulnerability and, and honesty there. Tell me a little bit about your, your love is strong and kind of the place you were at back in 2008. Mm. In the year two thousand, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Hey, doesn't two thousand eight seem like it might as well be nineteen eighty? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you know, like lifetimes have gone by since then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, two thousand eighteen seems a lifetime ago, right? <laughs> but, hey, um, election day seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> like it seems like we've gone through nine news cycles since then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so I remember. My daughter had not been born yet. And my wife, she said, you know what I want for Christmas? I want a, um, I want a worship album. You know, I was like, okay. Yeah. I don't normally like play that kind of music, but you know, it, like if you're married, you're like, I have no idea what to give my wife this. Okay. I know how to make music. I can do that. So I started learning like, um, songs you know from from different people and she said no no no, you can't they have to be you have to write the song first yeah and i and i was thinking to myself i i don't really know how to do that i mean even though i i grew up you know i i grew up in the church i it, it always felt really difficult for me to do that so i just went straight to scripture and thought well if i'll just take some of my favorite passages and that way I don't have to worry about the lyrics. They're right yeah. there and I won't get sued. So that's, that's <laughs> double but, bonus. Yeah. 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 And, um, so that's, that was where it came from. It has come to be like one of my favorite songs that I sing because it feels, I mean, it is literally a prayer and it feels, you know, 
some songs you sing it in one season, it feels dishonest to sing it in another season. Mm. You write a song about some girl that you have a crush on. Years later, you haven't thought about her for for a long time and you're still singing that song. It feels weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this song feels, you know, appropriate to sing any, any moment of the day, any moment of a set. It feels like a wonderful closure for me. It's a great song, man, and one that it's again, it has that timeless feel. Like it still feels like it fits on a playlist in 2020. Easy, you know, it has such a cool, like, like I said, there that there's something. It's beyond just kind of the singer songwriter thing. I think it's the just the way it's presented. It's it's not trying to lean into any trends. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song. All right, John, what's number five on, on your list of favorite songs? You have a wake up song. Uh, so, so you're driving down the highway. You're awoken now. Well, what what else you got on your list? The, the next thing you're doing on your drive, you got to move. You got to like, yeah. You gotta you gotta feel some rhythm. You gotta dance. Get the blood and, flowing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the next song is Talib Kweli, a song called Palukas. Nice, dude. I love Talib Kweli. Okay, uh, break it down. What is your relationship kind of with that era of hip hop, and why did this song? What makes this song particular in particular jump out to you? Well, we had the privilege of having Talib Kweli open for us. Whoa, really? At, at our at my home, I don't. You can't really call it an alma mater because I didn't graduate from there. But UCSD, yeah. my almost mater, we could call it that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember uh, I had never heard of him before, and I was just blown away by his set. And um, yeah, still, still love listening to what he what he comes up with. You know, him and sort of, it was like most deaf, I think was, you know, one of his, you know, frequent collaborators like black star. Tell me a little bit about when you listen to an artist like him, because you know, the, 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 the lyricism and the poetry and, and sort of the attitude all combined for this like really cool kind of delivery. How is it, you, you know, listening to something that's a little bit different genre wise, what do you take away from as like a songwriter you know, when you, when you hear an artist like that or see an artist like that perform in terms of like inspiration, how does it affect you? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is almost the same like feeling that I get when I watch a comedian Hmm. where they can step up to this microphone with no guitar and captivate people for an hour. I mean, that's incredible. And, and it's just story. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to talk story. We're going to laugh. We're going to, we're going to move through this evening and, and uh, there's no nothing, you know, I feel like that when, when I hear someone who um, has a delivery like that, where it, it doesn't need melody. Yeah. It has enough attitude to carry itself like that. I mean, I, I feel, I feel uh, jealous, I, you know, like the best kind of music makes you want to quit, burn all your you know, songs you've ever written and start over, you know, and I yeah. feel like that with this particular song. My music represents the change of power from now on. This thing is ours. Got a painting war instead of painting flowers. We shower the heroes with praises while we hanging hours. We bring the drums to the battle because we bang the loudest. You don't know a thing about it. If you 
you that quality the outcome. Album so hot that my ghetto chicks is bringing talcum. Whether you sing or shout it, they gave somebody else the crown, but I'm the king without it. Well, well, hey, if I were to make a prediction about what uh, uh, two of your top six songs would be, I would probably not have, uh, have chosen like a Portuguese banger from the from the seventies and 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 Talib Kweli. Like those are great choices, man. That, that's I feel like this is going to give a lot of fans uh, something to kind of sink their teeth into when they're setting up a new playlist here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking through the songs you've picked for me, and I'm. It's it's like uh, we're, I, I love it. We're all over the map. That, that, here, hey, that, that, that's how you, that's how you got to do it. That's the fun of music, though. You know what I mean? Like, it I, is. you know, how did that opening? How did that that uh, become arranged? Because that's you, you know, he isn't typically an artist that I would see kind of you guys regularly performing with. How did that come about? Was he just sort of um, something that the the school put together? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely the school put it together, and um. Is yeah, one of those happy accidents. I was going to say, if, if fan, people who were at that show probably are still talking about. It. You're really not going to believe the set I saw, man. That that, that is <laughs> that's cool, man. That's a that's a cool pairing. All right, so so number four on, on my list, another one uh, that that's a, that's a, quite a bit different than 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 your last selection, but um, it's from uh, 2009. Your collaboration with uh, Sean Watkins uh, with Fiction Family and the song "When She's Near," which I man. And I'm not trying to like fawn over you. I'm being sincere that like that song actually does have a timeless vibe where if I didn't know your voice, it, it, like I'd be like, this could be like a 60s band. This could be, you know, something from that sort of like Beatley era where they're writing kind of really cool uh, love songs that had this breezy vibe, but they also had sonically something kind of interesting that kind of pulls you into it a different kind of vibe tell me a little bit about that, that about that song but also kind of your collaboration with sean and working with fiction family yeah i love sean sean is one of my favorite people on the planet he's just amazing yeah so we first played with nickel creek we shared a bill there were these things called festivals and thousands of people would come to them you remember what? those what? yeah they wouldn't wear a mask and everyone would be like arm in arm is weird. I'm having anxiety with you talking about that. No I mask. Know, it's strange. Yeah, no, it's it was very yeah, very unsafe. But yeah, we we all did it. And um <laughs> so we had a festival we shared the bill with it was a, a phenomenal bill. It was um REM Wilco, Macy Gray, us and and Nickel Creek. Wow. Yeah. That is, and that, that was is... just our stage. A part oh, of this. Man. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Um, and, and Sean actually, Sean and Sarah and Chris grew up not far from here where I live in, yeah. in North County, San Diego. And we think we might've met before, but that was the first time we ever really hung out. And it was one of those things where we both said, Oh yeah, we should hang out, get a coffee, write a song. And those conversations usually, don't mean that you'll actually do it, but it, it you know, like we actually did it. We yeah. got a coffee, we wrote a song, and that particular song was a song I remember writing at my place. I remember um, we had the idea of like, what if we can put the so there's a the major one is if you have in a song, you've got um, like that beat, if it's yeah. in the key of E. This is that's the one. That's the stable chord that feels like you've come home, you know. Yeah. And we said, would it wouldn't it be cool if we could find a 
way to stick the minor chord in there yeah. as well. Yeah. And so we, we found we were that the whole song was playing with major and minor the entire time. Dude, it's so cool. It, I, and I love it because I, I like Nickel Creek and, and they're phenomenal musicians. And obviously I'm a big fan of, of your work over the years, but somehow you guys are able coming together to do something that sounds totally unique. And tell me a little bit about what collaborating does to kind of, it almost is like at that point in the collaboration, it's like, let's do something different, find the minor and the major. How often do you seek out those collaborations that will challenge you to do something like that? Yeah. Um, I've had the privilege of writing with people that have definitely pushed me. Um, thinking of Carl Denson, he, he's the sax player for one of my favorite bands. Well, he's, he's the sax player for the Rolling Stones, but he's also, he, he plays in, in a couple other bands. He's got his own side project and uh, Grey Boy All-Stars. But he, like, so him or, um, I've got a song coming out with Lauren Daigle on the solo project. Um, I just, when, it, when you write with someone or work with anyone in, you know, on a musical level, you, it's almost like you, you f- discover their secrets. You kind of, yeah. you say, Oh, so that's, that's how you get there. And it's, yeah. it's fascinating because there's like music. Where does music come from? Yeah. I still don't know where music comes from. Yeah. And, and everyone somehow makes it and we, we arrive there, but, it is so fun to to hear and see and work alongside someone like Sean and, and to say, Oh, so that's where music comes from for you. you know? Yeah. Well, I, in case li- it's been a while for listeners, here's a clip of when she's near. John, what do you got for uh, for number four on your list? Okay, number four. You mentioned the Beatles, yeah, with the, the which is always the highest praise for me. Like, yeah, um, it is. Uh, they're they're that band that somehow kids like, old people like. Um, my my nephew had an amazing uh, thing where he, we were trying to explain to him what an A and R guy is, <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> Oh, you mean like an old dude who sits behind his his desk and likes the Beatles? And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what an A and R guy is. You know? That's like most A and R people I've worked with. That's, that's yeah. a good A and R guy. That, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. What a good A and R guy is. Yeah. Um, my so I'm I'm gonna go with a day in the life from the okay. Beatles. All right. And so. So, so I, I'm not, I, I, I like the Beatles, but I, I'm, I don't have like an encyclopedia. Tell me a little bit about oh, wh- which album is, is Day in Life from? So this is from Sgt. Pepper's, which okay. is my favorite because it's the most eclectic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love a record that takes you on a journey that doesn't like, th- there's, there's two schools of thought. There's the, the idea that a record should sound cohesive and should feel like one thing. And I, I, I agree and understand that, but I also like a record that feels like it took you on a journey where you didn't hold back. You didn't, uh, if, if, if it felt like it needed, you know, a drum machine, you put a drum machine on it. If it needed a French horn, you put a French horn, you didn't tie your hands to make this one thing. So, and Sergeant Peppers is absolutely that it is all, it's a journey. And this song for me represents one of the finest journeys you can go on. 
Tell me a little bit about kind of thematically what what is what what's this what's kind of the crux of the song and and how it kind of you know tell me a little bit about how the journey itself that when you hear that song where you go so it it the beginning of the verses start very mundane um I read the news today, oh boy, they're tragic tragic verses, and then um the pre chorus it's not really a traditional song, so you can't really put it in that those terms, but it shifts from major to minor. And suddenly you're, you're in a different, a different part of the day and, and orchestration begins to enter in it. It starts very small piano and, and more traditional rock instrumentation. And then by the end you have a symphony and um, you have completed the day or your life and you've been on a journey. That's that's for me. That's what this this song represents. It's so cool. I, I'm glad the Beatles. I, I had a feeling the Beatles were gonna make it on uh, to your list. Like, but one thing I think was cool about the Beatles, especially Sgt. Pepper, is a perfect example of this because people are really excited about. Like, I just wonder what this album's gonna sound like. Like, they know the Beatles have their own kind of sound, but they also were really good at making each album sort of independently. You know, sort of this creative. Uh, kind of sonic execution was a little bit different, but I feel like that was Switchfoot albums too. Like whenever I hear a new Switchfoot album, I'm like, I'm just kind of excited to see what the what the production value is going to be, kind of how it's going to sound, how instrumentation is. I feel like that's something that is the whole, especially with Sgt. Pepper. That's probably the all time example of people like, I cannot wait to hear what this thing's going to sound like. How much pressure do you feel as an artist to change, you know, different elements up so that each album kind of has an independent kind of vibe going? Yeah, I feel it a lot more for the switchfoot stuff than I do for solo. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call it pressure. I just feel like it's as excitement. Yeah. Um, we're working right now with a guy named Tony Berg, who has he's produced. He did the Phoebe Bridgers record, and um, he's done a bunch of incredible records. He actually did worked on a Nickel Creek record as well. Oh, cool. That's uh kind of one of the people I called Sean first. I was like, what do you think of Tony? Should we yeah. work with him? And he's like, oh, you absolutely need to. Yeah. Um, but it is that thing where I think you look for people that can inspire you, that you trust, that can unlock different places that you've never been. I think the interesting thing is, I, I think of it like even with your own personality, there's sides of you that no one's seen probably on your podcast. Yeah. But they exist. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe at the right time you can unveil. Hey, I'm also kind of like this. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and, and but at least with like, um, you know, being a, a musician, it's like you have. I love, and, and I'll, I'm going to go ahead and toss in my number three because it kind of goes into that point. I, I was kind of a tie between Native Tongue and Dark Horses, the 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 singles, because they're so they they have such unique energy and are sonically, you know, show a different side of you as an artist than so, a lot, obviously your solo stuff, but even some of the Switchfoot stuff. There's an edge to it. And it's like you're tapping into this thing with both of those songs that is, I don't even want to say it's an aggression, but it's certainly a more intense type of sound 
Um, they're both completely different songs, but I feel like they both kind of get the same energy, which it, it, when you listen to it, you feel excited, you feel energized. But again, it's this totally different side of you. Where does that, where does that like when you're trying to communicate the energy? Because with some of the solo stuff that we talked about, it's, it's very much uh, introspective. I mean, you talked about sitting on a rock by yourself where these songs work because they're fun to sing along and kind of like, oh, you know, like how do, how do you kind of tap into that side as well? Yeah. I mean, sitting on a rock by yourself is very unrock and roll, I suppose, <laughs> as you say it. Um, so I go back to that ninth grade kid. And I think I remember specific moments where I would go to a show at Soma, which is the local uh, rock place downtown or a friend's backyard or garage or something and, and hear, hear a band play. And I remember that feeling of everyone with their fists in the air, like yeah. singing this song. And it could have been 15 people in a backyard or, or, you know, a thousand people or whatever. That communal element, I think, is still something that feels so comforting. And so I, I, there's, there's, I'm finding a hard time coming up with the words because it feels this like this community that is rarely accessible without yeah. a song. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that we as a culture are missing sports and communal expressions of song more than ever. Yeah. And it's, it's showing in the way that we're treating each other online. I wonder if the mediums of Twitter and Facebook are divisive in their own, just the, the, the way we communicate with each other, where if we're next to someone at a sporting event, rooting even for different teams, it, there's this humanity that's expressed. Yeah. And um, I feel like that in, in music. And so for me, when I'm, when I'm trying to conjure that kind of a song, that, that's where I'm tapping into is, is what is that thing that we can all come together and, and sing as a unit? such an interesting connection that you make there with like the community because it does feel like the it those both of those songs and, and there's a lot of songs in your catalog that that can do this bring together a this energy that you're just because everyone who's been to like a punk rock show back in the day just knows that feeling it just like grabs you by the chest and those strangers that you're sweating next to watching the band, you feel this kinship. And, and, and the only analog I can really think of, you're right, is sports. And it does seem like in this era where we're all sitting behind Zoom screens, a lot of people are taking to Twitter for sport. And they are kind of just seeing who they can rile up, who they can get on their side, who they can kind of isolate. That's such an interesting observation that I hadn't thought about that. Like, I think that you, you're right. When we don't have a a good outlet where it's like a great song to go listen to together and get kind of pumped up or sports. People are looking for a way to kind of get out that energy, but it's kind of taken an ugly turn once we're kind of all locked up independently. It yeah. seems like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I, 
I miss that. And I, I, I hope that we can get back to that because I feel like it's having a detrimental effect on the unity of our culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. Uh, all right, John, what do you got? What do you got for number three? Okay. Number three. Now we're getting into like the, I mean, this is top three. I want to state with the asterisks at the bottom of this whole thing is that I probably would come up with a different list tomorrow. That's fine. But, that, that, yeah. This is a very low stakes list. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. That said, um, we're, we're coming, I mean, three more songs that these are yeah. this is a, kind of, I mean, and for me, um, there's two songs on this album that I could have picked, but I'm going to pick uh, Steve Wonder Sugar. Okay. As my number three slot. That it is when that first kick drum hits mm-hmm. uh, after the piano instrumental uh, intro, it, it's just instant. I mean, I don't yeah. care if, if you have have any dancing bones in your body, you're moving, you're, you feel it, you know? Stevie, Stevie Wonder is such a great pick, and that song's such a great pick because you're right. It, the appeal is universal. Like it doesn't matter. Like you could have a young kid who listens to you know kind of hip hop or pop. You could have what of like a parent, like a boomer, you, it, or you just like someone who likes good music. Like studio heads, they love Stevie Wonder because he's a you know he's got such an interesting sound and such an interesting voice. What is your relationship with 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 Stevie Wonder's music? Is is that kind of a song that just kind of has has jumped out to you? Yeah, so we, I had the chance to see Stevie Wonder. We were playing New York City, and we Stevie Wonder was playing down the street at um, Madison Square Garden, and so we snuck out of our place that we were playing, and we we could catch the front act of his set before we went on, and. I remember going in and it's Madison Square Garden and we're down on the floor and the lights are on and everyone's just talking and Stevie Wonder just walks on stage. His daughter walks him up to the microphone, house lights on everything. And the entire place just, we all just erupted in like five minutes of applause. Yeah. And it was, and he, he's, he just addressed the crowd for, you know, maybe another five minutes, just talking and spoke to everyone in the room about, you know, it felt like I was watching someone who had been on a journey and his life was represented in his song and everyone was on that journey with him and their lives were represented in that song. And it was such a moving, powerful moment for me. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. It's so cool too, because like I said, that, that is another hallmark that I can see in a lot of your work is, you know, there are stuff that's sort of, you know, that has more of an edge or, or is more introspective and experimental, but there's a lot of stuff too, that I feel like has this sort of universal appeal, even kind of cross genre. And my, my number two, uh, it kind of, I feel like is a good representation of that. It's, it's hello hurricane from 2009. Um, it, because it has a lot of the things that I really like in a lot of your music, where it has that anthemic oh, 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 
I'm butchering it. You can, yeah, you're probably grimacing hearing me. Oh, dude, that's you know, no. please play Sing a clip. Along. I'm gonna play a clip. Yeah. But but then it also, you know, I I love like that fuzzed out guitar. It sounds like you know, it sounds like real care was put. It's one thing that's a song that I'd be interested to hear like the early demos for, like acoustic, because I feel like when you listen to the final album version of it, it seems so intricately crafted. To, to you know that each different part has its sound that seems like you guys put a lot of care on how that guitar sounds how when that sort of anthem kind of part builds and when it kind of goes like when tell me a little bit about that song because to me creatively that sound that kind of song represented as i don't want to, i don't necessarily a turning point but certainly kind of a, a this evolution and kind of growth and what you guys were doing sonically tell me a little bit about hello hurricane yeah, so that album actually, okay, if I'm remembering correctly, it's that was our seventh album. And we had just put out three records with Columbia. And they, you know, it was a wonderful ride with Columbia. But right then, the record company, as it was, was de being demolished and destroyed. And we were dealing with a new team every other week. It felt like our entire team would be fired and then we'd meet new people and another team would be fired. And, and it was, um, it just felt like a very volatile place to be. And so we cut ties with the label and we just kind of regrouped and actually we built this place, this studio that, that I'm, yeah. that I'm in now. So oh, this was, yeah, this was like the place that we, kind of came to as as almost like a a tree fort to kind of come together and say hey do we still want to be a band do we still want to make music we feel like we still have something to say um and we just kind of fell back in love with music and we did spend a ton of time on every song that song in particular i remember the opening chord <laughs> was played uh through an amplifier and then we had a acoustic guitar in front of the amplifier plugged in to another amplifier huh. and it was the sympathetic resonance that yeah. you hear in in that opening tune so that i mean it brings it full circle right there's yeah. a sympathetic resonance um and it was a lot of care that we took in every note that that you hear on that album it, it definitely shows it, it's such a cool album and such a cool song like i said that song has so many i feel like that's a song like if i would if there was someone like teaching songwriting to be like dude listen to this and hear the care that not just went into the the song but the production it, it is it really holds up well it's such a cool song What do you have number two on your list? You are, we just we, we just had the Beatles and Stevie Wonder, so I feel like there's a lot of pressure on your two or your two and one here. Yes. Okay. So my top two, I haven't even decided until now which one's going to go top top one. I'm um, they, I mean they they could go either way on this, but I'm going to put uh, Miles Davis flamenco sketches as number two. 
Oh, very cool, man. All right, so, here, 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 here's a clip for people that haven't heard it. Okay, dude. So Miles Davis, tell me, tell me why, uh, tell me why he made your list. Well, it's a rainy day here in Southern California, even though it never rains in Southern California. Um, and he is this particular album I've listened to countless times in various um, parts of my life. I've I I listened back on CD. I've listened on MP3. I have the vinyl. You know, college. On until now, and this album is my happy place. It is the album that I can, uh, you know, put it on and and kind of remember things forgotten. Take a deep breath. And flamenco sketches is my favorite. If I could start any start my day with any song, mm. this would be it. Wake up before the coffee goes on. Just put the needle down and listen to this song. Oh, that's so cool, man! It, it, Miles, it, Miles Davis seems like an artist that sounds better on vinyl than probably any other. There's something about that that crisp sound of like that crackling of a vinyl. Yeah, and I think uh, some of the brash, brasher tones of the trumpet are a little bit diminished by the the vinyl as well. So it 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 all works definitely. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, hey, so I had a cup. My number one. I I want to I want to preface too. These aren't. I'm not ranking like I you're you, you know what I think is necessarily like. Well, I, I I'm kind of my rankings. I kind of wanted to bounce around and talk about different ideas. So I didn't want you to think like, hey, my, you're saying my number one's not as good as number. You know. So so don't. I kind, of, I kind of wanted to talk through some of of the songs from uh you know the 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 creative process but before I, I go for your for one of the other songs in your catalog that I want to talk about what is your favorite song whether solo or or with switchfoot to play live oh it's I mean that's the thing is whenever you start talking subjectively um it's gonna change with the weather or the humidity or whatever you know there's this great quote talking about music is like dancing about architecture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, music isn't a sports team. You can't win or lose. Yeah. Um, so I, I take no offense at, yeah. at trying to figure out how to put them in numbers. I, yeah. I do have favorites that they depend on, on the setting though. I mean, I do, um, you know, if it's just me by myself, it's always a song I just wrote yesterday. That's my favorite song. Yeah. Um, if it's, you know, a crowd of, you know, it depends on the vibe of the room. What happened yesterday? Yeah. Is this, is this, you know, January 5th, 2020? Is this January 5th, 2021? I mean, what are we dealing with here? Yeah. Um, if I, I think the one that seems to be easiest to play at a lot of, in a lot of situations that we've played all over the world um, for people that don't even speak English, that feels like, okay, I, I would probably pick uh, Dare You to Move. 
Yeah. Well, okay. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you picked that because I did, I did a deep dive back into the beautiful letdown, your 2003 album. You know, I was in college at the time when that album came out and, you know, I just remember it was everywhere as, as you probably remember too. I mean, it, it was like in movies, it would, every, every dorm room had the album and would play the album. And, uh, you know, um, Oh, wait, wait, dare you to move actually was prior to beautiful letdown. It was on both records, though. That's right. That's right. You had the yeah. original version had come out, what, two years prior? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So then Beautiful Letdown comes back. And, and that's kind of where it got uh, kind of like a second life, right? Yeah. It's funny because the first time... Or, I mean, so many people heard that song and were like, yeah, not really a song. Yeah. Like, and we really liked it. We put it first on, on our album and we thought it was great. We'd open our show with it. Yeah. And we had so many people, um, you know, to bring it back to the A&R joke that yeah. the guys behind the decks that listen, that love the Beatles, that were like, yeah, not really a, a song, you know, <laughs> just a show with it. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, our, the, the head of our label actually heard us play and walked out halfway through in New York city. And no. said, why do you keep signing this crap? I mean, with all sorts of expletives and, and we got dropped and it wasn't until this is, this is uh with beautiful letdown. They, they, it ended up being on a, basically on the minor, the minor league team. And then after it sold like 3 million, then that same guy came back and was like, we love you guys. You guys are the best. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, that's, that's that's that that season for me. I dare you to I mean, that, that album is, I mean, half the songs were on top 40 radio for about a five year stretch on that, on that album. So there's a lot of really, you know, uh, just cr incredible songs that really broke out that a lot of people know, but you open it with meant to live, which, uh, you know, I, I re-listened to the whole record because it'd been a while since I kind of listened to it in entirety. And I thought what a brilliant move to put that song first to kick off the album because it starts off you know, it is that album is a journey because you have gritty songs, you have kind of poppy songs, you have Dairy to Move, which is kind of the swelling journey of a song. But you started off with Meant to Live with grit. These kind of these guitars, it's it's cool. It's kind of bouncing stereo, kind of left side, right side, and it and it was. How much went into that decision? Because that that that's what I put at, at at number one on my list. Because I feel like that song captures a lot of what you guys have always done good, which is it's sonically interesting to listen to. Like it it kind of has like a little curveball in there with the way the guitars are bouncing around. Um, but it also obviously it has a a message that isn't uh, it isn't preachy in any sort of way, but really kind of gets in your head in like a positive way. And it's just a great rock and roll song. Tell me about putting that song first and 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 what kind of went into meant to live yeah um well first of all it's it's an honor to talk to you about all these songs it, it's fun to kind of oh, relive and likewise and man. through um i'm trying to put myself back in in former shoes you know the early I, aughts I, yeah so i i um 
that's that particular song i remember um so i had just dropped out of college and i was sitting on this couch that my roommate and i were renting in this this place that was near the beach and i remember i remember thinking through this this um this bend right here like yeah. th- those kind of things and I, yeah. like, and I was like i always thought wouldn't it be cool to put that in the song you know yeah and um and i never it's so funny because songs come they come in stages you know sometimes you'll have an idea and then four years later it'll it'll you'll figure out what it means and that that's one of those where it came pretty quick and it was all an acoustic guitar and oh, wow. i remember we hadn't we had we didn't have a demo of it really we, and, and that whole record was made in like a week um really yeah with a guy that we'd never we met <laughs> once i met this guy <laughs> no i was like this guy's gonna make the record we just did it in a week and and that was well, the we'll first see song. what happens yeah <laughs> yeah that was the first song that we cut and oh, i remember um we we cut the the drums and th- because it was the first song we were doing a test we were deciding what would be better would we cut the drums to to tape analog or would we cut them digital yeah into pro tools so we did we were doing a blind test and that was the first song we cut so we we cut them to to tape and then we cut them to digital and we happened to like the performance of the digital version better yeah but then we said for the rest of the album we're gonna go all to tape yeah and so that's the only one that was actually cut straight to pro tools because it was our test but we really yeah. liked the performance of the one that went to pro tools so i well, mean all these fun things that to think back and go you know um you know we we're cutting two songs a day just okay there's the record and you never know that that one song that you you make in four hours that yeah. that's gonna be a song that helps you support your family years from then you know that's yeah. wild and well, and too, I and and that's that bend is one of the first things you hear on that album, and it kind of signals like, hey, this is a journey, man. We're gonna do some different stuff here, you know. It's like right then, you know, okay, this band's trying some stuff, and it obviously it worked. But it's such a, it's like I said, that song it just holds up well. It doesn't. If you listen to that song now, because I did try to take an objective listen, I'm like. Dude, this song could have been, you know, 2018 and not 2003. Like it, it really does. It doesn't fit in any sort of like trend or moment. It sounds like these guys were kind of in a vacuum just trying to do something really cool. Fumbling his confidence and wondering why the world has passed him by. Hoping that he's bent for more than arguments and failed attempts Do you think we have never fit in and I, we've always thought that was like a detrimental thing we never fit any box but i think yeah. that i feel looking back that's been a real gift 
Yeah. That it's been like, we're just outsiders still and we love it now, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, John, it's that time. Number one on the list uh, okay. of, of, for, for now. It's, it's the list for today, at least number yes. one. So this is a song that every time I hear it brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. Um, it has no words. And um, Inia Morricone wrote it. It's called The Crisis. It's okay. for a film I've never seen. Okay. But every time I hear this song, it it uh, bring it moves me because it mm. is it. I think it. We're talking about you know the the dissonance you know with this particular rub right here. Um, that it's it's yeah. it's it's. I think. That's kind of what music is for me, is it represents the consonants and dissonance of life um, on, a, on a deeper level than even words can, you know? And so this, this song does that. I've got a piano right here. Let me oh, see yeah. if I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, I think it's in of uh, D as well, but it's, it's like, it goes. It's, so the first, it, it's in the key of G. So, so it, it, uh, the first two notes are the one and the two. And then the third note combines the major and the minor. Oh, cool. So it does, it does that, that them both at the same time. So. And it's, it, I don't know how he thought of it, but it is, it is the most absurd concept to do. Cause it, it sounds even, even playing it for you here sounds yeah. like a bad idea, but somehow this, this is um, consistently one of those songs I just have to hear. And it, it moves me every time. That's awesome. All right. For, for listeners, here's a clip of the crisis. Well, John, dude, that is, that's, I, dude, I love this list. We're going to, uh, I'll tell listeners, we'll, we'll make a playlist too. I'll put it in the um, song description for people that, or the episode description, if they want to uh, rock some of these tunes on Spotify. Dude, this is a great list, man. I, I appreciate the the thought. It, it, that went in a lot of directions, but all very cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got, I, I went, I was like trying to, trying to figure out what are my top top six i mean that's that's a tough one you know yeah well dude they, they're great select and i appreciate you putting i always the, the one that i've been doing the show i think this is our there's around like our 30th episode or so and i always feel a little bad because i give my guests homework but i really appreciate yeah. when the guests put time into into really breaking down uh uh some of their choices man this was this was a lot of fun dude 
No, thank you for your time as well. That was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell listeners, I'll remind listeners one more time. Departures drops February 12th. You don't want to miss it. Also, make sure to follow at Switchfoot on Instagram. And if uh, if you're listening before January 1st, there's a couple days when this is going to release before the big show at Petco Park. Where can they where can they tune in o- online, John? What's the best place? Switchfoot.com. All right, switchfoot.com. Well, John, this was a blast, man. Hey, thank you again. Have a wonderful day. You too. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.